begin with one minute of silence and then explore whatever arises. So please join us for this one minute of doing nothing. Anything arise for you there in particular? I, I initially as I started, so just to give context to anyone who is listening, uh, uh, we today we are using a phrase for having a discussion. Uh, in although it is in the moment, but still we are using a particular phrase, and this phrase is healing the nervous system. So. Uh, we just did a small silent practice on just kind of contemplating or meditating on this phrase. And what came up for me initially was this desire to be intellectual. <laughs> this desire to, uh, you know, um, kind of think of, uh, okay, you know, what is the nervous system? What do I know about the nervous system? And what, you know, what, uh, what have I learned about this? And again, going back to the past, and you know, trying to kind of bring in those concepts and bringing those labels, which we give. Uh, I think this intellectual desire is kind of just throwing that information which we know uh, or which we have learned from somewhere. But then again, you know, I, I reminded myself that I have to experience this. This is not about knowledge, or this is not about that. What I have to do is I have to experience my nervous system in this very moment. So. As I did that and then I realized that, you know, it is my thoughts that that will trigger my nervous system or that will relax my nervous system. So if I'm just kind of busy with my thoughts and again thinking about what to say, what not to say, what knowledge should I have and all that, then actually my nervous system was activated at that time, you know, whatever it is called, the sympathetic nervous system or whatever it is. So then I bring my awareness to you know, to to this, to my body, to my being in the moment. And as I let go of those thoughts of the past, then that relaxation happens. So, <clears throat> you know, I think it, my, like the insight was that thoughts have a huge role to play here when it comes to, to the nervous system. Hmm. Just as you're describing it, it sounds like through a certain lens, it's incredibly simple, like mm. the notion of healing the nervous system, 
but becomes complicated when we complicate it uh, yeah. or when we look at it through a kind of complicated lens of concepts like yeah. the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. I guess while that could be helpful for developing and understanding, mm. there's a way in which it could work against how simple, like actually relaxing or healing the nervous system might be. Yeah. Just as you were talking, I was imagining like like a scientist or a researcher sort of like holding the nervous system, quote unquote, out in front of them, yeah. <laughs> like as if to heal my own nervous system. And I'm, I'm looking at like maybe a model of mm. all of these nerves in the body or like in the parasympathetic and sympathetic. And I'm sort of analyzing, look at the, looking at them, looking at the different names of them and the ways yeah. that I shift out of sympathetic into parasympathetic and like really trying to work through the healing of it. Um, yeah. But maybe the whole time, like what you're saying, I'm actually sort of activating the sympathetic to a certain degree. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. And it might mm. actually be so simple if I could just stop trying um, yeah. or thinking about it um, mm. and just do something different. That latter part, I guess, is what maybe makes it so hard for people, for anyone to heal the nervous system, because it is so simple. And yeah. I think we want it to be more complicated. Like, I want you to to give me a series of instructions yeah. and a detailed explanation of what this thing is. Yeah, um, yeah. One kind of simple thing for me that popped up during that two-minute period of time was there's this there's a motorcycle that's outside my place. I don't know if you're able to hear it or not. Mm -hmm. I was like revving pretty loudly and just did again, but maybe my microphone is tuning it out. Um, mm -hmm. But that caused me a certain tightness because uh, yeah. it was like, you know, taking away from this experience or maybe would be disruptive for you or someone listening to this. And I yeah. have this internal reaction of just like, stop revving. Would you go somewhere already? Or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's somehow interacting with this figure who's revving their motorcycle. Um, and my nervous system is activated when that's happening. And mm. then there's something that can happen when I just let go of really caring about that because um, mm. it's out of my control. And also just coming back, like maybe like you said, to something that's less thought-based and it's just experiential of just kind of hearing the revving of the bike no different from the way that I'm hearing my voice or your voice. Um, mm in a way that naturally relaxes uh, yeah. my nervous system. And I, I notice like a tension is sort of leaving the body uh, yeah. when that happens. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking that if, if you were, if you were riding that bike, then you will enjoy that sound. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the perception changes then. Yeah. So I think it is the, it is the, uh, it is not the sound itself, but the, the the thought that uh, that came in between the sound and you which kind of either triggered the sympathetic or the parasympathetic maybe you know it, it it created a fear response or maybe it created a joyful response so that 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 is actually maybe in our you know as you are saying what i'm understanding is it's in our maybe it's in our control might not be the right word but i think it is we who can trigger it or not or you know trigger either of the two sim nervous systems sympathetic or parasympathetic right i think there's a a quote attributed to the buddha that <coughs> is um 
with our thoughts we make the world. Uh, mm. So it's, and I think another line that I've come across, but I don't know the source of it, but it's not the thing, but it's my reaction to the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the second arrow, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. So do you think that maybe the answer is simply to drop back behind thinking or to try to change thinking like replace a thought with a thought that's more so in the example of the motorcycle is does healing my nervous system mean in that moment just sort of like letting go of the judgmental thought that i have or maybe intentionally shifting to the other perspective that you described of like mm. well for them it's enjoyable um mm. and for mm. me too it would be uh, mm. and maybe in that way like it can be enjoyable right does that distinction make sense yeah absolutely what i feel is that <coughs> the the um the the desire to change that thought also although that is helpful and you know i think this is what all positive psychology is about that okay change your negative thoughts to your positive to positive right but i you know what i have come to realize lately is that that is also kind of a struggle it is like a it is kind of a fighting you know not accepting what is so let's say i get a thought let's take another example let's say i get a thought that oh i you know uh, uh the the it's, the weather is not good outside it's it's a bad day so that's a that's a negative thought right so uh traditionally someone who practices positive psychology they will they will suggest to me no just look you know just look at the bright side of this or tell yourself no it's going to be a good day or wonderful day so for me it's like a struggle it's like an effort a pre- it's like a pressure that i need to do something to change this thought which itself creates kind of an agitation right it's like you know i need to push myself to 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 be positive but what i came to realize lately is that you know something which uh, buddha said about uh, desires and passions and he said that the only thing that comes between you and your enlightenment is desire and here i can sense the desire to change something so that takes me away from my being state to to a movement that i want to do something to change this but what what i feel is that uh, you know uh, an optimum response to that thought will be in in this case the thought that thought of the sound of you know that motorcycle outside is is to become conscious of that is to just observe it and i think there is there is some automatic healing in observing that at one, at, as as we keep ob- observing it and as we keep becoming conscious of it we don't we will not need to put any effort to change it it will automatically change at some point of time because now we are aware of it mm-hmm. so i think what what matters here is how conscious and unconscious we are unconsciously we will you know we will judge that sound and create that thought but if i'm conscious then for, maybe i'll judge this sound initially but at least next time i will know that i i judged that sound and the next time it won't happen then automatically maybe does so that make like sense observing without pushing away or clinging um, yeah because yeah. maybe 
so pushing away back to your example of the weather would be like i hate this why is it you know raining sucks and now my yeah. day's ruined yeah. um but, but maybe clinging on the other side might be how do i make this positive or yeah. how do i flip this and say um well that means it's a good day to do this or yeah. or whatever that might also be uh like you mentioned the buddha and it was making me think of this the second quote-unquote noble truth of um suffering coming from both clinging and uh aversion desire and aversion and so that would also be some form of this thing that is actually feeding my suffering if yeah. i'm holding on to it or trying to change it or really trying to exert anything um, yeah i'm going to be contributing to that suffering and it's making me mm. think of the nervous system maybe on a bodily level like if i'm always moving one way or the other i'm sort of constantly in contraction um, yeah which might yeah. lead physically to injury or disease or the development of um inflammation my immune system like yeah. getting weaker and all these things because i'm constantly sort of exerting uh one way or another but in yeah. this state of just observing i'm uh, i just had the like the phrase of i'm allowing everything to just be i'm allowing myself to be natural and in doing that i sort of like unfold my uh clenchedness yeah and allow the nervous system to heal itself because there's nothing and that's making me think too of like there's nothing i can do to heal the nervous system mm. uh, like the nervous system heals itself i yeah. imagine when i get out of the way of yeah. trying to do anything about it like this, yeah. there's a certain genius to the body and the quote-unquote nervous system and if only i could stop trying so hard it would naturally reach an optimized state in line with the universe maybe yeah 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 that's a very good point you know and i think that's a good insight about nervous system that maybe you know it, it heals itself and we just need to get out of the way of it yeah because you know i i was also this analogy was coming to my mind again i think this is by buddha which uh, gautama buddha and he said that i think uh, for for the for the lake to reflect the moon the surface has to be calm but if there is but if there is turbulence on the surface then it will not reflect the moon because you know uh, to explain that a, a little bit uh, to whoever is listening you know this turbulence is like is is the thoughts that we have and moon being the you know enlightened state or enlightenment and the uh, uh, you know this when the surface is calm that means when the thoughts are mind we are in a being state and not kind of pushing any thoughts then we ref, you know that enlightened state within us is reflected whereas if if there is turbulence in the mind then it it clouds that so i you know what what i'm thinking is that although negative thoughts yes they do create turbulence but even the idea of pushing a positive thought or you know wanting to have a positive thought that itself is a thought itself and that also creates that turbulence so it's like you know going in cycles and not getting anywhere that from positive to negative positive to negative but there is a state beyond this positive and negative you know and i think uh, uh, the quote of rumi fits in that you know beyond the duality of good and bad 
there is a field i will meet you there so this the, beyond the state of positive and negative there is an awareness you know which where which is the key to maybe uh, to that enlightenment or even you know in in the in this sense uh, the key to uh, relaxing the nervous system so we might imagine the water ripples on the side of good being something different from the side of bad but it's really it's all just yeah. splashing in the water yeah yeah it's like it's like the two sides of the same coin the good and the bad yeah hmm i i'm glad selfishly that you responded in the way you did to my question about uh like replacing the thought with a more positive thought or mm-hmm. just the like letting go of thought mm-hmm. um as it relates particularly to my training in therapy like mm-hmm. this was something that i kind of I would hear from like supervisor and mentor figures and never made like quite sense to me and and mm. still doesn't, which maybe is a part of what has pushed me kind of in my own path. But it seems to me that across like all different forms of what you might call therapy, there's a central mm. thread of unwinding, like uh, dismantling incorrect thoughts about Mm. myself and about the world the things that have been internalized from society and from my experiences like this seems to be a pretty central thing to all different forms of therapy um Mm. there's this process of unlearning uh that goes on but i had one mentor figure that said something like well you always need to replace it with something new Mm. uh Mm. like something some something different like a different kind of belief and yeah. that's the part that never made sense to me because well, isn't that also just kind of like arbitrary or aren't yeah. you also sort of internalizing that from mm. some other view um mm. whereas for me the, like the deepest healing comes from just like you know seeing through all of that stuff and then yeah. not replacing it with something new now just living in this place that is kind of new uh, yeah. But maybe that's the difference between something you might call Eastern or like a Zen sort of perspective where it's like, just, just wipe it all away, see mm. through it and then mm. don't replace it with something new. Um, yeah. But maybe there's, there's, there can be a sort of ungroundedness of not replacing it with then something positive or a new view or a new thing to hold on to. Cause then, right in that place there's nothing uh that i can kind of that i can cling to anymore i guess like the clinging um and so without that there's i'm sort of no longer really in control Um, yeah but yeah i mean that can be a a huge relief if you see that you never were and never could really be in control um and then you can just sort of be uh in a more authentic way uh, mm. i don't know if that's something that you've thought of in your work because i know you do a lot of one-on-one work too absolutely yeah I'm, I'm i'm on the same page because you know i also sometimes question myself regarding you know what we do uh for example uh the course that we have created together in our child healing now now i am sure it has its you know wonderful benefits and a lot of people experience healing and sometimes it is the it is the first step towards moving towards awareness and it is important but again you know there is something which uh, uh you know uh, 
I think I mentioned to you this. I was reading this book by you know uh, Buddha's book, and it's called the Buddha said. So in this book, Buddha said something profound, and he said that the healing happens on itself. And I think something related to what you just said that the healing happens on itself. You just don't get into the way, and you know it. There is a there is a magical nature to awareness which automatically heals everything. So if we, if we just can be aware and maybe do something, you know, again that doing comes in place, but something like a practice of vipassana where you are just observing, you know, everything that's coming into. So somehow the thing that is coming into your uh, your existence, your thoughts, your emotions, and uh, you know all those things. If you can just observe it with conscious awareness, the healing will happen automatically. They automatically get healed. There is an automaticity to existence which heals things, but it's just that because we come in the way of that and we try to want to change that and do something about it, that you know we cause more stress to ourselves. So then I was also questioning <laughs> this whole thing about in a you know in a child healing in past therapy and and all those things that. maybe they are the first steps but eventually you know that might not be the answer what what do you think about this i mean i think even like the way i view quote unquote inner child healing hmm. and i i try to offer the caveat of this is the name like for yeah an experience and uh i think maybe at least the way i view it is something that can help me let go of trying to exert uh yeah. or it can help me stop pushing um mm. or maybe pushing away what you might call the inner child like you can might view that as a sort of energy felt in the nervous system of a of like a me that i don't want anyone to see or past experiences that i don't want to think about like mm. it's something that might have kind of collected and gathered in my experience that causes me to just generally be tight um mm. and to do something like like an inner child visualization might be mm. to kind of encounter that part of myself that i'm sort of holding on to or disavowing or rejecting or whatever it is and allow it to breathe a little bit in a way like a kind of creative way in which it might actually release like that part of me that's clenched and holding on might have yeah. some opportunity to let go and and release um mm. just in the way that I view it I I I don't use it in order to replace something or to create a new story um mm-hmm. for me it just happens in more of a like creative play um, yeah kind of thing is the facilitation of something experiential where i can maybe feel a feeling that's been there for so long but i mm-hmm. i just clench up when it starts to come to the surface but maybe mm-hmm. through that kind of exercise i can allow it to happen and yeah. it's like it can happen through me and sort of be released um, mm-hmm. like kind of like a a wave of water that has a dam you know built up against it so i feel all this internal pressure and yeah. that could be something that allows a hole maybe through the dam or just allows the dam to to go down mm. and i think the person has to be willing to experience that rush of water uh, mm. and also to not know if the water is just going to keep going forever or if it's going to yeah. go and then pass um, yeah. but maybe more water will come in the future 
yeah that's kind of the way that i view that yeah that's a beautiful way to see it you know uh, the, the 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 question that i have about it is that and i'm kind of questioning myself you know uh, when i do this practice also that you know the thing about visualization is i'm i'm just kind of wanting to explore this that is it is it a practice that takes us away from that conscious present moment because what's happening in visualization is that i'm bringing up uh, and i think i don't know why we are naturally shifting to this topic of inner child but uh, i think this is a part of it only uh, that when i'm bringing up someone in my visualization let's say my 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 past self the my question is is it taking me away from present moment conscious awareness is it helping or or is it that a better way to approach it is to just be in the present and see what comes up rather than doing any visualization yeah it's a good question i think my response to that is i guess the guidance that i would give is to really try to allow it to happen as a present experience as opposed to trying to make it be anything mm-hmm. um and like i like thinking of it as like the experience of a dream like mm-hmm. you know dreams are present moment experiences right. and they're just happening i and i'm not really making them happen i'm just sort mm-hmm. of a part of it um right. so I, i do think there's a way in which that experience you know i close my eyes and i just sort of put myself in a openness to what ha- what happens when you say the word the inner child like what do you think of and mm-hmm. in a way that can i think be a very present moment experience mm-hmm. but there might be something different about like okay now create this space yeah go back to that time and all go that. back to that time have this interaction where maybe that's more of exerting force over something mm-hmm. um which may or may not be beneficial relative to how we're talking about it um mm-hmm. but i noticed for myself definitely a preference to again get out of the way like mm-hmm. you know, maybe just sort of plant seeds in this area um, yeah. and then see what happens yeah yeah i think also makes me think of you know uh, carl jung's method of active imagination that mm-hmm. you know, uh, i think it's it's a, that's different from visualization in the sense that visualization is usually you know as and especially as it is practiced in the uh, popular culture today is is like kind of forcing an image in your mind and you know making an intention of wanting to see something whereas active imagination is more about like just kind of closing your eyes and letting anything that comes up you know uh, on on waiting yeah it's like then any any <laughs> your unconscious will kind can throw up anything and that becomes a part of your experience and that is something to explore then mm-hmm. yeah <coughs> that's hmm. this is why i like the like the language of taoism in this area like if we're saying that to heal the nervous system hmm you can't actually do it like there the doing you do is to get out of the way yeah uh, the doing itself like, is triggering the nervous system the right. the the nervous system yeah right um but like in Taoism there's like the principle of wu wei or at least as i understand it is sort of doing not doing uh, yeah. or inaction um uh-huh. like a way of being where 
you're getting out of the way and allowing your experience to happen Um, Mm. and maybe one thing that could be helpful is like i know that's sort of the central principle of the art of judo um Mm. like the gentle way in which you it's a sort of doing but you're not exerting any force like you're flowing with what's happening so Mm. someone comes and attacks you and you don't meet that force with your own force but you like very naturally flow with it and yeah, kind of guide yeah. it along and then by doing that you become incredibly powerful and you flip yeah. this person over because you're using their force against yeah. them but you're not exerting anything because then right. you, you would have a very limited amount of power and you would also run out of power and energy quickly uh mm. like the nervous system sort of wearing itself out but mm. in that sort of doing you're just sort of allowing the thing to happen and i wonder if maybe that's a way of potentially viewing how i can heal my nervous system like Mm -hmm. i realize that's a constant practice of mine noticing what is active in my body like what is tense Mm -hmm. uh, what is habitually tightening up and then just Mm -hmm. constantly sort of in quote-unquote internal judo of release 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 like open open my my stomach constantly uh like through our time yeah yeah tightening tightening and then i can let it open let it open um Mm -hmm. that is a sort of doing but it's like i find it so fascinating like how is it that you release your jaw or how is it that you soften the area of the eyes or uh like let your hands be loose or your your mm. feet or your legs like you you do it but it's this interesting exertion or like mm. counter exertion of energy uh, what do you think about that as a potential description or maybe explanation of how one can do quote unquote or like heal the nervous system mm. no i totally agree with that and you know uh, uh, it's um it's a state of observation it's a state of being conscious of what's happening in the body although you know uh, uh i had this doubt previously and you know i it kind of got uh, cleared up as i as i contemplated on it but uh, the, the, some people ask this question i would love to know your perspective about this is that the present moment experience and being conscious of you know what's happening in the body for example that that is very painful for some people uh you know in the sense that okay if i if i just let's say if i observe what's happening to my body so some people who have like chronic illness or you know some extreme illness or something like that then it it becomes very painful for them to observe it and you know i i have personally experienced this like for example and i think it's a there is a simple example is let's say if i have an itch in my arm Mm -hmm. and when i start observing it it will intensify like anything and then there is it again kind of becomes this just this observation of it also becomes a battle you know it's like a challenge that okay how long can i stay with it how long can i observe this and then that pain of you know that that irritation of that itch will increase and you know I, i will wait for that point for it to go away but it might win then and i will have to then take my awareness away from it because it's so painful yeah. right so uh, the uh, the question is that how do i 
stay in my present moment awareness in that flow and in that observation and being conscious if my present moment experience is painful yeah and maybe that points to the sort of art form of this or it just made me think of like the middle way like we might there might be a tendency to want one answer to be right like Mm. always just come back to the present yeah Um, Yeah. but that might be a rigid exertion to some extent like i don't know if this is making sense but with the itch like i could just scratch the itch and it would go away (laughs) and if i wanted to i could do that or i could take medication for my pain Mm. and make it go away or i could sit with it and and experience it differently uh Mm. it makes me think of like i have acid reflux um Mm there's like sort of constantly gas that Mm. sort of puts pressure on my throat. And Mm -hmm. and certainly when I eat certain things, it happens, but I would take uh, a Meprazole is like the, the major drug that's taken for Mm. that. And people just take it chronically. Like you take it every day. Um, And I took it for a long time. I didn't really find that it was helping that much, Mm. but the thing that was so annoying is it would, make talking kind of hard for me and it would like tighten my throat and uh there was a time where it was sort of constantly on my mind and constantly Mm. annoying um but i've noticed that the biggest the thing that's made it almost a non-factor in my life is like my constant allowing of the throat to if if this makes sense just allowing the throat to be however it is like not Mm. exerting any counterforce at all uh like further tightening up or like and it might just be slowing down like the way i talk because sometimes if i talk faster it will tense up more but if i Mm. slow down in between my words it can like it has a chance to kind of release 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 um yeah so yeah i don't know if like yeah makes sense but it like maybe sometimes there's i mean there's not a problem with doing something about something if you want to uh, Mm. or going out and telling the guy to to stop with his motorcycle because i'm doing this like i could do that if i wanted to but then there's like sort of an art form of constantly deciding is now a time to step back and just observe is now a time to exert i don't know Hmm. so so are you saying that do you do you believe that if we get out of the way, you know, let's say what you mentioned about the, <coughs> excuse me, the acid reflex. And I think I have the same thing with my throat, my cuff. So, you know, if, if, if you get out of the way and if you let ju- just let it be, are you saying that there will come a point of time where it will heal itself or will that not happen? It's a good question. Uh, don't have a like kind of a final opinion my certainly my leaning is to say yes Mm. Uh, like if i really really do get out of the way uh, Mm. that's hard because you don't know how much getting out of the way is yeah yeah Uh, or like how long do i have to wait with this thing yeah and for some people it's like very severe right you know some physical pain is, is so severe that it's just not kind of possible very i would not say possible but very difficult for them to, to observe it, you know, the sure. present moment experience is so painful that they can't let it be because 
you know that that is a very painful thing yeah. to do for and them. then you might judge yourself too or, or hear someone talking like this and be like well that must mean i'm not doing it long yeah. enough or yeah. I, i'm not strong enough to do that or hearing that implicit judgment from yeah. me and saying that oh well you just need to go longer um yeah yeah i mean it's and that's an interesting part of the human experience because i can never know what someone else's uh hmm. sensory experience is actually like yeah. Um, yeah. i mean i have had certainly the experience of like at, at, i might have sh- I, th- I have shared about this at the zen monastery before like the mm-hmm. experience of sitting through very intense physical pain yeah reaching a point of finally giving up any sort of like holding on or, or tightening back mm. against the pain mm. and it and it vanishes but then it can easily come back as soon as i start like exerting any pain uh, uh any sort of tension in mm. my knees or in my stomach like anything that is resisting or pushing back against the pain yeah. uh like actually fires it up but when i mm. move into a place of totally letting it take over um, yeah and not labeling it at all then mm. there's a way in which it can like it's no longer really there uh, yeah. it makes me think too of moving into the observer standpoint where there's not so much a me that this is happening to mm. if that makes sense like yeah 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 that's it's, the it's me important. that i'm watching yeah. um but there's a me that isn't separate from the pain like mm-hmm. because that is something i'm that in a way it's a thought uh, yeah and i i you know, i, I want to be gentle and tentative in talking about that because I, I i totally hesitate to want to any anyone to hear that and feel like it's judgmental to say oh pain is just a thought um, yeah. Yeah. but i don't mean it in any sort of unique way just like everything mm-hmm. is a thought like anything once it's labeled is a thought it's yeah. not what you're experiencing because what you're experiencing yeah. is beyond description um, yeah but when i can't really allow the sensation to live in a place that is not being called anything hmm, i hmm. change it uh yeah and it becomes in a way okay um hmm. but then it very quickly comes back into a tension of calling it something yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, what you're saying is very much related to the idea of ego you know in the sense that what also uh, ramana maharshi said that it is this strong attachment to this this sense of self or this i that we have that that creates the suffering because you know if i have this strong identity then if anything happens to me i will suffer but as we let go of this strong sense of self or i you know then if there is no i then who is to suffer then there is no one to suffer mm-hmm. as such so that is a very like for me also personally is is you know when i when i experience this or when i'm having this pain or in my body or something like that i kind of uh, you know kind of remind myself that because then it 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 eases the pain because you know till then it was i am suffering oh my god i am suffering and that is getting exaggerated now because of this i i i i but as i let go of this i and i and i and i sense 
you know when i when i let go of this attachment to i that who is this i and then it it feels as if you know although in one sense i'm one with the pain but i'm also kind of separate from the pain where i am not the one who is suffering there is no one to suffer as such mm-hmm. uh you know in in term in in a bit spiritual sense there was someone uh you know it was i think i was listening to a a, a call by um no no i was listening yes i was listening to a coaching call i was on a coaching call with michael bernard beckwith uh and he's a he's a like he's the founder of agape international in us a spiritual center so and uh, and, and and an author so he someone asked him that you know and it was it was a very tough question for him and it was uh you know in the sense she went through a lot of pain and i think she was molested and all those things so he she asked him that what do i do like my life is ruined and you know i i cannot overcome this pain it's so painful so he he said something wonderful there where which kind of really relaxed the pain of this woman and he said that your soul cannot be hurt so it was in a spiritual sense but <coughs> i think that was powerful because when t- till the point that she was identifying with the body and not minimizing her pain you know i'm not at all minimizing her pain i cannot understand what you know what who someone exp- someone who experiences that what they go through i cannot understand that but still it i saw that it eased her pain because in uh, till the time she was identifying with the body and uh, uh, she was suffering a lot but the moment he said that that your soul cannot be hurt so she connected to a part of herself which which is kind of which really cannot be hurt you know if, if it is energy then energy cannot be hurt you know but the something which is physical that can be hurt so this physical thing you know is a kind of like that ego when if if we can you know i if i can let go of in that moment it it can potentially ease my pain when i'm attached to this like piece of mass yeah that is encapsulated in my yeah. skin yeah then i'm very maybe susceptible to pain yeah but if i can feel into something more on the level of energy hmm. there's a possibility for that pain to yeah release as you're yeah. talking i had a vision of uh see if this makes sense but like you being one nerve cell of uh. a universal organism like this this big creature uh yeah and a shift in awareness from you being just the nerve cell and like that's uh. you to a feeling yourself as part of the whole organism Mm. and like you feel the consciousness of the organism and mm. in that sense it's almost like a like a uh, some wind sort of like brushing against your arm uh, mm. as opposed to being kind of sucked down into just this yeah. me that feels a very intense sensation but I yeah. maybe I can drop into something that is beyond the barrier of me in which it's like the tension just kind of drops yeah. yeah right 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 yeah i think you described it well yeah mm. but then again uh, you know it uh, <laughs> there is something uh, interesting that buddha said in this book was uh, that even this identity of the spirit is is not the answer because again this is also a kind of a spiritual ego 
<laughs> that I am this spirit. So he said that even when we have that idea, so he was kind of, uh, you know, um, he was kind of challenging in that in that time when Buddha Gautama Buddha lived. So you know, Hinduism was the most dominant religion in India, and uh, it still is. But at that time, he want he was kind of challenging that the idea because in Hinduism there is a strong concept of Atman, which means the spirit or the soul. And he said he said that it, we have to go beyond even that because that also kind of becomes an ego, you know. And then and that's what happens, you know, when someone is connected more to their spirit and they start also developing this ego that you know i'm more spiritual or something right. like that but he said that even to let go of that and beyond that is 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 that nothingness you know which is beyond all these concept which which is the answer so uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i guess it would depend on the definition of spirit because you could very easily just transport ego into spirit if yeah it's like well i'm the spirit uh well yeah. then you're it's just the ego in different clothing or like in that visual i could very easily then become this this larger organism yeah. and then yeah. it's, it's i'm just transporting the, that one nerve cell to the, yeah. the bigger organism and there's it still feels like there's some barrier yeah um, that i'm in this encapsulated organism so maybe the uh, answer maybe is in you know letting go of there being anything um, mm, that is solid uh which is yeah. such a sort of impossible thing again for us to do <laughs> uh, yeah. so just and that's maybe where some of the language in buddhism and zen in particular is helpful because they talk about the void or emptiness mm -hmm. or mm. um like those kind of things as opposed to something that might be interpreted as something solid or uh, yeah like a god or whatever it might be yeah 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 it it reminds me also of uh, nagarjuna when uh, you know he was meditating with some monks and he was kind of guiding those monks to the path, to the path of nothingness that void that you're talking about so you know then <clears throat> there came a point of time where those monks uh, you know reached that void and then he said that void the void and that means that this void this nothingness also is a concept if you right. if you and and you have to also let go of this as well to to you know to be wherever whatever that state is right right i can't remember this story but i just like the words of how it ends there's, there's another one like that i think in the zen uh -huh. world where there's a student and teacher and the student is like asked the teacher something and the, the response is, we'll throw that out. Uh, mm. And then, like, the student throws everything out. And mm. then they're like, okay, now what? Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember the, the the last question, but the teacher's like, okay, throw that out too. Um, mm. It's just like it never ends. It's just like whatever it is, the thing that feels like you finally arrived at, uh, also throw that out. Uh, mm. And just, like, keep throwing it out. Um, yeah yeah exactly and that is why uh you know uh buddha's path is also known as the path of negation mm -hmm. in the, in the sense that uh you know most i think almost all other cultures they they are they are into achieving something wanting to get something you know wanting to get salvation or wanting to get somewhere or become spiritual or something like that but 
Buddha's path is not achieving something, but letting go of all this, you know, letting go of all these ideas and all these concepts, and then you are kind of arrive. Right. Not in order to get something else. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. where it seems like that's where the big challenge is. Mm. I think that's where it can become so challenging to talk about this stuff and communicate this stuff because mm. maybe there is an implicit desire to arrive at something different. So it's almost like if if you're trying to describe maybe the benefit of this approach to quote unquote healing the nervous system, mm. there it seems like there might be some importance in in clarifying like, is this actually what you want? Um, mm. Because maybe you don't actually want the answer that we're providing. And that would yeah. be the thing that blocks from this potential path to healing. Cause yeah. Well, well, yeah, but I don't want, I don't want that really. Um, mm. Like I want my nervous system to be healed, but I don't want to not be the one that is healing it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. maybe the choice will end up being, well, I choose to not be healed uh, mm. because that is the deepest thing that I hold on to is like a me that is separate while I might be maintaining my suffering and my pain. Yeah. That's the deepest thing that I don't want to let go of. Like mm. I don't want to do this path of negation because then I have to lose the me that, that wanted to do it in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's just, that's what makes it also fun. Cause it's like, Mm. It's this sort of game of, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, playing around that because you can't really talk about it, uh, yeah, tangibly or directly, yeah. Uh, but you can just try to get close to it. That's why I, I think the language of science is very similar to the language of the Buddha in the way you're describing it, like the path of negation, because mm-hmm. scientific discovery is not identifying something as right or the yeah, truth it's like true. how do we discard uh yeah untruths or negate hypotheses and reveal something that we're kind of yeah. constantly getting closer to it but it's not that i come to a final point and say this is right yeah 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 exactly and i think this is also very similar to in general our life journey in the sense that you know uh, for example if someone asks that uh what is the purpose of my life so uh, I, it is not that, you know, I will find that purpose directly, but it is through eliminating all those things, which maybe I don't want to do mm-hmm. is, you know, eventually I will get to, to what it, what it is actually right. that I it's want like to do. Increasingly get closer to it. If only you can like yeah. drop and let go of those things that are not it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I totally love this uh, conversation, and I think it's a, it was a kind of a very uh, different way of approaching the <laughs> nervous system yeah. today, uh, rather than the traditional, you know, as as we discussed in the beginning of of having those labels and describing and holding on to past concepts. <clears throat> Just one thing that was also coming to my mind, uh, you know, as we were talking about those labels, is. Um, uh, you know, Osho, uh, uh, I was listening to an audiobook by Osho and he was describing his experience of flowers. So he was saying that, you know, uh, he was he was a professor in a university. So he used to go to a garden for, for a walk. Uh, and in this garden, you know, he used to enjoy the flowers a lot. 
so then you know there was another professor who who started coming with him and he would every time he would start labeling the flowers mm. okay this this is this species and this is this species and this is that and you know osho started getting agitated and then he asked him that you know uh, i would prefer if you go for your own walk and i would like to go by myself and he said why uh, and i'm telling you about all these flowers and he said i don't want to listen to your concepts or labels of these flowers i want to experience them in this very moment mm. so you know that was this story i think it was really profound for me to let go of that intellectual labeling and knowledge of of the past and to experience something which is right now right here in yeah. this moment and i think this is uh, this is which, which i totally enjoyed about in this session. yeah yeah me too it sort of allows the flowers to become new yeah and no different from me or anything else mm. uh, maybe that could be something to leave it just gave me the visual i think about this sometimes as a practice um but if the listener is interested in something to play with like, i kind of like the idea of thinking of myself as like a flower um mm. but maybe one that doesn't have to be labeled in a particular way or with a certain mm. name and mm. i just think it provides kind of a cool model for natural like physical posture too like my my roots are in the ground and mm. i'm like i'm sort of naturally unfolding toward yeah. the energy of the sun that is feeding me yeah. um and i think that potentially can be a way of like the negative path of noticing the way i might be like exerting my flower self to be a certain like kind of flower mm. um but if only i could just like let go of that habitual exertion and sort of unfold naturally opening to yeah. what's around me and to the sun and feeling how the earth is nourishing from me from below too and from everywhere and there's nothing i ever had to do in order to be this flower and even yeah. it's not a flower it, that's a word it's just this like happening. yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so. beautiful as you as you said that i started you know uh started swaying like a flower the way it does in a wind <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice sounds good well as always thanks for i think there's something healing just about this kind of interacting yeah very much uh, i can notice any tension and sort of release it and mm. um through interacting in a way that feels authentic that to me is like a healing of the quote unquote nervous system in a way yeah yeah same here and it's you know it's also for me it's also seeing the kind of the same thing from two different perspectives you know i i always feel that you know we all are uh you know just we have divided this one again it's a concept but we have divided this kind of universal consciousness or one single being you know whatever you want to call it god or something into many parts because we just wanted to see from different angles and see from different perceptions so i believe that we are talking about the same thing but we are looking at the same thing from you know two different angles it's like having that nervous system in between us and looking at it from two different angles yeah yeah i love that mm. well cool i look forward right. to exploring with you and whatever we explore next time yes looking forward to it thank you for joining us in the what is now experience we hope that you liked the episode If there were any insights or ideas arising for you as you were listening to our conversation 
then you can share those ideas through your comments we would love to know stay tuned for the next episode namaste